a mattress industry legend joins us on the podcast today. He's the only person I know who can absolutely call Mark Quinn on all of his BS, and he's the king, the inventor of the value zone. Welcome to the Dos Marco Show with Mark Kinsley and Mark Quinn, where mattress and furniture leaders gather to grow, get the inside scoop, tell stories, and take tequila shots. Uno, dos, tequila! Welcome aboard. Here's your passport to a planet filled with the mattress industry's brightest minds and biggest ideas. Meet your guides. I'm Mark Kinsley, president and CEO of Englander. And I'm Mark Quinn, co-founder of Spink & Co. and VP of Sherwood Betting. Together, they are Dos Marcos. The galaxy's greatest mattress podcast has liftoff in three, two, one. Who is this mystery guest on the show today? I can't hear your audio, my man. Who is this mystery guest on the show today? There we go. Are we going to wait? We're going to do our sponsors and like launch into that after we do our sponsors. I know. I'm just like, so excited. Who is it? I just don't know who it's going to be. I just want to know. But yes, we do definitely need to tell people about March 16th through the 18th because I am jazzed up. As a matter of fact, we talked to Munkle. Munkle's going to be presenting and I'm super excited. I, but what I does Munkle know? Come on. I, I mean, kind of a lot. No, he does know a lot, no doubt. It's a great event. We got to headline that last time we went, and uh, so I'm fired up for that. It's 16th to the 18th. Guys, we all know what the value is. There's all kinds of stuff. There's learning classes, three different sessions of Mattress University. Uh, Jeff Rose is going to be there, so you got to be there. We got Mike Darrow making his national debut at Nationwide Primetime as a nationwide uh you know, member advocate. So that's kind of exciting. Everybody don't miss it. Lots of deals. You want to save some money. You want to drive your business. There's no better place to be than Nationwide Primetime's virtual event, March 16th through the 18th. Don't miss it. Nationwidepriometime.com. And some of our friends that I know are going to be tuning in are our buddies and dear friends from Door Counts. The Door Counts, guys. And you know, we're, we're on the heels of, of the most romantic holiday there is. Valentine's birthday. Day, Mark Quinn's birthday. Oh. Wow, we missed that. Okay. And Valentine's Day. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was thinking about something. You know, if foot traffic and data had a baby, its name would be door counts. <laughs> Maybe its name would be more sales and more money. Oh, do you remember the old joke uh, from that movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? No. It was like, what did the baby computer say whenever it first saw his father? Dada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Well, look, man, door counts. When it comes to data, you're flying blind. You're either in the know or you're not. And you cannot manage your business to the degree that you could if you had more good information to make decisions with. So don't fly blind. Don't make this stuff go up. Uh, don't make it up as you go along. Information is king. You got to help yourself. So the guys at Door Counts can do it. Kinsley, they have a special offer going on too, you know? Yeah, and it's all for Door Counts 3.0. Okay, Door Counts 3.0. If you haven't tried it and you're an existing Door Counts user, get with Jerry, get with the team, find out what it's all about because big upgrades are in store. And, and the offer right now is so cool. And we've heard from people already that are like, yeah, this is a no-brainer. So you they're going to pay you to try it, right, Kinsley? They're going to pay them to try it. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, Jerry's peeling off a buck fifty and saying, "Hey, at the end of this ninety days, we're going to give you a ninety day free trial, and it, you can keep the camera at the end if it doesn't work for you. And I'm going to pay you one hundred fifty bucks if you want to get rid of it, and I'll take it back." 
So you can end up making money off the deal, but try door counts for 90 days, completely free, risk-free. We tell you this all the time, but I hope you hear it. We curate amazing opportunities, ideas, technologies that can have an impact on your business. And door counts is, is one of these people that has gathered around the campfire and shown their heart for, for mattress retailers and shown their help for mattress retailers. So if you combine heart and help, then it's the ultimate Valentine's Day gift. So hop on board, head over to doorcounts.com and tell them Dos Marcos sent you. And uh, who knows? You know, they, they might have some of these lying around, these tequila shot glasses, Ooh, indestructible. Nice. So who's on, who's on the show today? Like, just give me the big reveal. Yeah, so, you know, so he'll tell you he's been in the mattress industry longer than I have. And actually, he's probably right because he was a Montgomery Ward for a long time. Uh, and so they sold a bunch of mattresses. And so eventually he evolved out of that. And uh, when my brother was with the mattress firm, uh, they were having some issues. Um, at the time, they had 50 stores and Steve Stagner, Darren Loon, my brother, and, and several other partners. So anyway, my dad, being an old retailer, and it's my dad. Oh, so it's your dad. It's my dad. I gave it away in a, in a weird way. But anyway, so it's my dad. He was a retailer for a long time, and then they needed help at the mattress firm, right-sizing the business and making it profitable. So they brought him in. So he got into the mattress business and he had been in for a long time. And now he's out, he's retired, having a fun. He says every day is a Saturday except for Sunday, Kinsley. So welcome my father, Nick. You know, I have show. to say something though, Mr. Quinn. I know that you are the second in a line of Nick Quinn's. And then Mark's middle name is Wait, wait, who is the who is the the, the other Nick? Because your son, wait, wait, you're the third because I call your grandson Nick. I call him Quattro because I know he's number four. So where are you in the line of Nick Quince? I'm number three. You're, so we got Dos, my Trace, and Quattro. My grandfather was Nick. My grandfather was Nick. And, and now I'm Nick and then little Nick. There we he's go. Not, He's actually the tallest neck at this point. Which, you know, when you really think about that- Will you share rip. the microphone with your dad so I can hear him? Like something oh, in between? Oh, shit, it's right there. So what a rip though. Like there was like four generations of Quinns and he couldn't name me Nick. He named me Mark. He didn't want me to carry on his name. Is that what happened here? Well, he knew that we were going to meet at some point. Did you know your son and I have the same name and the same middle name, Mark Allen? Yes. Oh, really? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. A-L-L-E-N. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're the same. So, okay. So since we are on the heels of Valentine's Day, I want to start with a story. So obviously we were talking about your son, Nick, and, and your granddaughter, her name is Gabby. And these are yes. Mark and Bridget's children. They're amazing. Just wonderful, warm-hearted kids, young people, not kids. Um, but I, I heard controversy about the way Mark actually met Bridget. And it involves the mattress business in some way and Montgomery Wards and a time in Chicago. What's, what's your version of the story, Mr. Quinn? Because I'm going to trust your version of the story. Well, first of all, he had to get permission to have a first date with his now wife who worked at Montgomery Ward in a furniture department. And Mark called me and said, do you think that I would be okay for me to date a, a girl in a furniture department? He was working for CERT at the time. And I said, I don't know. Let me call Bob Shaver, who was the executive VP and over furniture and other departments. And I asked him and he, Bob said, the father, he said, who does he want to date? 
And I said, her name is Bridget Gordon. He said, is she the tall blonde and, and furniture? I said, she is. He said, yes, yes, yes. But he better treat her right. So that's how, that's how he got permission. That's how he remembers it. I remember me personally calling Bob Shabrol saying that there's this good looking girl and I'm going to date her and you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> well, take your, take your, whatever viewpoint you wish. Yeah. Take but, what you, believe whatever you want, Kinsley. All right. Well, we'll leave this one up to the audience to decide which version <laughs> of Quinn reality we want to accept. Uh, but mm-hmm. hey, he, what, whatever happened, it ultimately worked out because here you are two children later and That's right. an amazing marriage and an amazing family. And speaking of amazing families, I mean, Mr. Quinn, you have an amazing family. I love your family. They're, they're all in the mattress or business in some capacity. How did that happen? Well, just it, it actually happened uh, on their own. I had little to do with it. My daughter, is the oldest, was, has her master's in reading and was taught school for, uh, I think, 15 years and got bored with it. And so she went, first she went to work for CERTA uh, and, and it evolved into the pillow and the sheet business that she's working for today, Pure Care. And Todd, uh, there wasn't much going on when he graduated from college. Uh, first thing he did when he got out of college is we were building a circus wagon. So he went down and helped finish the circus wagon for three months. So we have the only computerized uh, uh, circus wagon with a calliope on it in the world. Which are in huge demand. Uh, what is a circus but- wagon? Describe this to me. It's you know, a calliope like, that appears at, and you, you find them on uh, Ferris wheels and that type of thing, but they're run with, uh, with air and we made, we made one and digitized it all. This is 15 years ago uh, and sold one to put on the top of an expensive RV that you could just push a button and the airbags would open it up and, it would play like a thousand songs and we just lost interest in it after we got it all done. Well, the idea Kinsley was that you could put one Think about it, you have a mattress store. You take one of these really cool looking red circus wagon calliopes out in front and you could play music and it could actually attract people. Sell, sell cotton candy, yeah. give away drinks, whatever, you know, monkeys, anything that create traffic. That's what we were after. Do you have a picture somewhere of this or the person that bought the one? I would love to see this on top of an RV. I have no idea who bought the one. We we sold it. We got 15,000 for it and uh, made a little money, very little. But uh, no, I don't. But I have a picture of the circus wagon. It appeared in the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, two or three times in Houston. And with the drivers in tuxedos and pulled by Pergeron horses, just something silly to do when you don't have anything else going on. I think the last time I talked to you, Mr. Quinn, you were telling me a story about attracting people to mattress firm by buying a bunch of rocking chairs and basically selling them for nothing. I was going to tell you, my dad needs to do the traffic driver because he's got a couple really good ones. Some that failed, right? They didn't do so good. Why don't you tell us? Hold on, like, let, me, let me hit the, the intro music and we'll do it officially. Like, well, let's we do go. it right now. 
Are you ready to drive more foot traffic? All right. Our official foot traffic driver guest host today, Mr. Quinn, give us your best foot traffic driving tips for retailers. Well, the worst, I'll do the worst first. Uh, one time I was in a, a Montgomery Ward store and I was a store manager and for a Valentine's Day, since this is appropriate, uh, dollar days kind of fell in February also. And I run a full page ad on unique items. In other words, items that we wanted to get rid of. And I, we advertised a, a washer, uh, of a washer dryer combination. We advertised a washer for 22 cents. And which is a little bit below cost, as you might imagine. We had one guy come into the store, ask where is that washer for 22 cents? And he sat on it. From eight o'clock in the morning, we weren't planning on selling it till late in the afternoon. He sat there for the full length of the time that he was in the store, maybe it was at 10 o'clock. Uh, and it created, as the day went on, people would come in, they want to buy that 22. We have a guy already sitting on it. It created quite a bit of controversy. So you just had one unit? Yeah, it was one of a kind. and That's the old bait and switch today, Kinsley. Well, no, it actually isn't. We sold it. And <laughs> one. We, we weren't trying to sell it. We were just trying to get people to come in the store. We had a lot of things like that. So now give us a good one. Well, uh, he talked about at Mattress Firm, we uh, decided that we could sell a lot of rocking chairs because we had a lot of storefronts. We could set them outside. And we knew what... Uh, Walmart was selling him for, and they were selling rocking chairs for $47 unassembled. So we advertised them at $48. I think we bought 10,000, which was pretty ambitious for us because we only had 50 stores. But the worst thing you can do when you're putting together a promotion like that that makes no sense in your category is to run out of goods. So uh, we sold them for two or three weeks, created a lot of traffic. And, you know, the only, the big problem with them was you couldn't get them in the backseat of a car. So they'd leave there in a trunk or you want to leave room for people to buy things. If you're going to sell something, you want to sell something else, but there's a lot of, uh, different promotions that we've run over the years some successful and some not so successful. I can think of a carpet promotion that we did where we put all the carpet in uh, a warehouse. We had the largest carpet sale in a little bitty store in Keokuk, Iowa, that Montgomery Ward ever ran. Unfortunately, we had to get several heaters in the store because it went way below zero. And before that, we had a big, big snow, but we sold a lot of carpet. Uh, and like $50,000 worth of carpet, which was like 30% of our sales for the month, which drove us into profitability for that month. But as I recall, we paid for it the following month. But the bonus check for the previous year was pretty good. So I, I'm hearing get one of a, of a very unique item and people are going to flock to it because it's so cheap or so unique or find out something that people really want, undercut the competition, bring them in the door, offer something unique, which is, hey, having your rocking chair assembled, and then stock up on those goods and take the chance knowing you're going to sell them. 
Well, and I think you've got to be in business. These guys that run ads and, and they put in two per store, and then they give you a price point that's 15% above cost or something, and they run out of business, that doesn't do you any good. And you see it all the time. Uh, but if you're going to do something, then do it big or stay home is the way I look at it. I like it. That's our foot traffic segment for today. Brought to you by Door Counts, the only known treatment for traffic blindness. No, the UPS guy didn't come into your store five times today. Those were customers, and you have no idea what happened to them. Door Counts is the cure for traffic blindness. Increase conversions, boost sales, and make customers happy. Visit doorcounts.com today. I got to hear about this value zone story. So, Mr. Quinn. I understand that you created the value zone. For people who don't know, describe what a value zone is, the strategy behind it, and what the origin story is. Well, the value zone is created by, we were vertically merchandising uh, mattresses. Most stores horizontally merchandise them, but we wanted to expand the SKU count in the store, but we didn't want to have to take down another uh, two or 3,000 square feet to do what we wanted to do. So we built a place to put to put 18 SKUs vertically merchandised. And the purpose of it was to out of sort com- com- competitors. Everybody, most competitors at the time would have in display in twins, uh, three mattresses, a good, better and best uh, product line. What we did is we went to 12 or 15, up to 18, uh, twin size mattresses and priced them starting out as, initially when we started, we started at a $39 price point for mattress only. And went 39, 59, 79, 99, and we just marched up the line. And people bought them based on their feel. They would press it and uh, if it felt, like it was a good quality, they would buy it. If they want to lay down on it, we made provisions for that as well. And so they would look at all these price points and let's say they went from 49 to uh, 299 or 399, whatever it was, I don't remember now. And they would start to leave and say, well, we want to shop and look around a little bit. And we would say, we would encourage them to do that. Why don't you go check out Sam's Wholesale? because Sam's was recognized as being the place to buy low price goods. They're, they're known for value. So they would go to Sam's and Sam's would have a $199 price point or whatever it was. And the customer would look at ours and we would have 12, maybe 15 prices all around what they sold. So uh, our value got them. And, most twin mattresses are sold in a family to young adults, uh, kids before teenage years. Kids, a five-year-old kid could sleep on the floor and get a good night's sleep, get, get a better night's sleep on a mattress. But uh, so there was everything in that product line would, would work for somebody age 12 and under, let's say. So that it was created for that. It was also created to put a little barrier between us 
and mattress manufacturers when they were trying to dictate how many SKUs we'd have on their floor, our floor. What, Wasn't what do you that mean kind of that? part of the reason it was a workaround? Like they were, there was a manufacturer at the time trying to force SKUs down your throat and you're like, okay, well, we'll solve for that. You needed the, the value zone and it was actually a way for you to get through that contract. It was, yeah. but, and it worked and, uh, they, we, they were a little submissive with us when we told them that. And we, when we went to market and we grabbed one of their twin mattresses and stood it up in the doorway and they wanted to know what we were doing. And we said, we want to find out if this mattress will stand up on its own because latex mattresses with a lot of foam in them won't, but we needed it to stand up by itself and it, and yeah, this will work. Hmm. So the dynamics so. there were a manufacturer was going to turn the screws on you if you didn't have more of their SKUs or take certain product away from you or whatever that, whatever that threat might've, might've been. We just kind of eliminated their, their ability to maneuver. Now, part of it, and a lot of it was, you know, like you said, it was hitting price points and just out of sorting the competition. When you do it that way, you can put so much more in an ad. And when someone comes in, they get so many more options for them. You know, well, one of the things that hits me, though, is, uh, sorry, Mr. Quinn, you go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, there's another reason. We, we spent almost six months, and I spent a lot of time in the stores taking ups talking to customers, taking them back to the value center. And we were putting time clocks on transaction times. And a lot of, in, in the uh, uh, mattress specialty business, a lot of times you only have one guy in the store. And if he gets three people wanting to buy and he's got a, a guest bedroom or a, a bedroom for a kid, you need to be able to create uh, make that transaction rather quickly and but yet still show good service so the transaction time in the value center because of this assortment was uh, uh was very quick and you know it also we found out we got more referrals out of the value center than anything that we did in the store plus it became the most uh, dollars per square foot in the store that's saying it something. Created more square foot per more sales per square foot than anything we had. Did did anybody inspire this idea that that also has the last name Quinn? He says he did. <laughs> you, you heard him reference Sam's Club. I was managing Sam's Club, so I, I blame him for ripping off Sam's Club's vertical merchandising strategy. Um, but you know, Sam's was. I mean, of course, he was involved in my life and in what we did, but. I think really more than that, it was them competing against Sam's Club and being able to out assort them and compete because a lot of times the store managers were like, hey, man, they got these sort of beds and, you know, they're really low in price. And they're like, well, we'll fix that. Right. And they kind of stole the plate, a page out of Sam's playbook and, and improved on it, really. Sam's used it for display. We used it for selling, which was a difference. But we did pay attention to Sam's because they were also pricing mat only and nobody in the industry was pricing it mat only at that time. That was a big advantage because we could show really competitive price points just by selling mat only. It's kind of interesting to think about a strategy that was designed to expand assortment, hit different price points, out merchandise your competition. 
And these days when I look at retailers, I mean, there's a variety of, of angles that people take or ways they merchandise their stores. But with the internet, it definitely drove a more edited selection or a more narrow selection instead of what some people described as confusion. What do you guys, what do you guys see? I mean, has the pendulum swung from, uh, you know, an assortment rich environment, you know, back over to something that's a little more, you know, manicured um, or do people at, at retail still have an advantage by having a huge assortment? I think retail has a big advantage if they take advantage of the advantage. The problem is they're all, they are not doing that. Most of them. I don't know anybody that tries to control the promotional end of the business. I don't know what it is today, but when I was in, it was 40% of the units uh, were sold were in, in promotional goods. You cannot afford to let that business walk from your store as a retailer, in my opinion. Number one, you get more referrals from that category of goods. Number two, you have a lot more foot traffic. Uh, now, trying to increase margins in promotional goods is not necessary because there's a lot of uh, cost advantages to selling promotional goods. But having said that, people have got away from good, better, and best. They still use it some in, in white lines, less in furniture than they used to because there's not enough room on the floor to show a good, better, best. And salespeople don't take the time to walk through the good, better, best. They should do it in mattresses, creating value as you step up. You know, Kinsley, part of this too, I mean, Magnuson talks about it. It's the boy, um, you know, the Amazon threat, right? So a couple of really big threats to our business are the, the bad review guys that are full of crap. And then the Amazon beds that are hitting such low price points, I think it's forcing, to my dad's point, forcing brick and mortar to pay more attention to that business and not give it up. You know, and it's nice now manufacturers have very little capacity because the demand is so high. So no one's wanting to sell or take up manufacturing time or foam and raw material to do that stuff, but it's going to correct at some point. And so taking that low end business or that low margin business out of the market is a, a big strategic advantage for guys that can do it. You know, it's, it's interesting to me too, to think about your story, Mr. Quinn, with creating and being part of creating this rocket ship known as specialty sleep shops. Because that thing has been a runaway train for a long time until recently. And recently, you've seen furniture stores really invest in their mattress business and get good at transitioning that customer from a sofa back to a mattress, for example. And they know the margins and mattresses are good, and they've really invested in making those environments robust. And I think one thing that always stands out to me when I think about the future of a specialty sleep shop is how much do you have to talk to that customer about beyond just the mattress? Well, furniture stores have an advantage there because they can talk to them about everything else that's in the house that they sell. What Take us back in time, though, and how did you think about a surgical approach to using a specialty sleep shop to go after that business and maybe take it away from furniture stores? Because that worked for a long time. It still works to some degree, but it really worked for a while. Yeah, and I think it still would, but there is there are manufacturing limitations right today, which probably preclude that. Uh, but there's 
it all follows a good, better, best strategy. And you gotta, you gotta know that if you're going to beat somebody in the marketplace, you gotta have something to beat them with. As, I'll give you an example. Uh, Gallery of Furniture in Houston uh, was a big proponent of free delivery. Uh, a famous sleep, sh sleep shop decided that they were going to go and do free delivery. Well, they knocked off Gallery of Furniture's free delivery, but they didn't build any value in the service. They just said, we're going to do free delivery. Mac is getting a lot of credit for doing free delivery by the way he presents it in his advertising. And, and another company is just giving away free delivery at the point of sale. So consequently, all they did was give up those in, that income uh, for delivery, which happens to be in this particular firm over $10 million a year. It was a significant number. Uh, for 50 stores, it was over a million dollars a year. And back at the time, uh, we quit giving away free delivery and went to other methods of uh, discounting and satisfying the customer's request to, to, get a, to get a good product at a good price. How, how did Mac uh, present it? What did he do to build value in that or present that differently? Do you remember? He, all his advertising was around free delivery, free delivery, buy today, get it tonight. The urgency, come in, buy this product and I'll deliver it before you get home. He just created urgency in everything he did. He's still doing it today. And so what was Matt, what was this other sleep shop doing that didn't build as much value in the delivery? Well, they weren't, uh, they, they did not go into the free delivery the way Mac did. Mac, everything he did was free delivery. I see. So it was more like a giveaway and Mac was like building value in it. And the was, other guys were just like, oh yeah, and we'll do it. Well, not exactly. He was creating an urgency. Mm -hmm. Urgency is the key. And mattress firm would give away uh, pre-delivery, but they couldn't deliver like Mac could do. He, they couldn't get the same day delivery. Mm -hmm. So Mac got the advantage of urgency. He got the advantage of it's my free delivery. And mattress firm expanded that to every store they had in the nation and said, all of you do free delivery. So what happens, you're in Memphis, Tennessee, and you're giving free delivery. You're forcing your competitor to follow you to give away free delivery. And nobody's getting credit for it except Mac back in Houston. <laughs> and, and Mattress Firm has given up millions of dollars in, in, in income at the time because they wanted to compete in the in, in the free delivery game, which in my opinion was stupid. We talk about this all the time, your son and I. If you play somebody else's game, they are going to be better at it than you. So you it's need to carve about, out yeah. your own position, your your own message, your own position, that, that piece of real estate that you're going to own in people's minds. So that's exactly what happened. This is a case study. And if you play Max game, he is going to beat you at it. And in this Every case, he decided time. to beat the nation. Every time... Well, uh, you know, I think about the Tupelo market and how it is geared towards smaller merchants with less storefronts. And then you think about smaller merchants. If, and it's in, this is all in your book about how you can compete in the marketplace by virtue of doing things. 
to within your community that you get recognition for. And you've got a lot of great ideas in that book uh, for smaller retailers. And the key is you can outfox big, big box stores every day in smaller markets by just attaching yourself to the community, doing something for the community. You don't have, it's okay to take advantage of the reputation that that gives you. You can get, you can, uh, what you say in, in your book about uh, charity and charity, charitable giving uh, should be private is true, but not all charitable giving needs to be private. Because if you do something to stimulate somebody else to give, that's a good thing for your marketplace, not a bad thing. Hmm. Speaking of good things, sleep is good. And we have a segment on the show this year that's all about better sleep because we believe if you're selling better sleep, you're changing people's lives. And typically, you have one chance every decade when somebody walks in your retail store to put them on a better path to transformation through better sleep. It's time to become a sleep superhero. Kinsley, the sleep tip for today is a big one. You know, I was listening to the earnings call for Tempur-Pedic and, you know, two or three times during that earnings call, uh, Scott Thompson kept talking about health and wellness. It's a big you know, pillar of where TSI is going and all the stuff that they're doing. And it's what we talk about all the time. And this sleep tip is so focused on the, that being true, which is the caffeine half-life. And it's one everybody misses. And it's literally a six hour half-life. So if you stop drinking caffeine six hours before you go to bed, you need to, in order to get REM sleep that gives you that restorative. If you don't get REM sleep, then you're not getting the restorative sleep that flushes the toxins. And so get the caffeine out of your diet anytime after like say three or four o'clock at night. So I, I mean, I don't know how many times we see kids at ballparks and stuff drinking soda, like at five, six o'clock at night. So my wife even used to say I can drink coffee and then go right to sleep. The truth is you can, but you don't get the REM sleep you need. So that's a sleep tip for today. You know, Dr. Bruce, a friend of ours said during a presentation one time, take a nappuccino. I'm like, what the hell is a nappuccino? His idea is drink a cup of coffee, go take your 20, 30 minute power nap. And by the time you wake back up, the caffeine will kick in and you'll be ready to go. Yeah, so and Matt, our friend Matt Man says, give yourself a 2 p.m. caffeine curfew. That's what he goes mm. by. He's the sleep selling superhero. So I commit to that as well. I'm a, I'm a 2 p.m. caffeine curfew guy for sure. And what you said though, I mean, think about this. Even if you stop drinking it, it's the half-life. So if you stop drinking it at, let's say four o'clock and you go to bed at 10, you still have half the potency of that caffeine still in your system, still percolating in your system. So the earlier you can get rid of it, the better you're going to be with your sleep that night. And that's a great tip you can pass along to people that come in and say, hey, you want to start improving your sleep right away? Even if you don't buy a mattress, caffeine curfew. And if you miss the curfew and you happen to drink something like five or six o'clock, have some tequila shots that will counterbalance the caffeine problem. Hey, speaking of curfews, uh, Mr. Quinn, did, did Mark Quinn ever like miss curfew or do anything bad? Like any stories you want to share with us? Just your favorite Mark Quinn stories. No. He was perfect, wasn't he? Never. Never. I, you know, I'm the only one of my <laughs> brothers and sisters that never got arrested. How's that? <laughs> Is that true, Mr. Quinn? Surely he got arrested. 
He's talking. I'll let him talk. His mother's <laughs> listening too. Uh-huh. That's right. From, from, yeah, she is. Um, I don't know. I tell. I mean, we were pretty rowdy actually as teenagers. But you know, the, to my dad's credit, though, and we try to do this too. We were always the house that everyone went to because my dad was so awesome and my mom was so awesome and people would come over and we have a great time and we all hang out in the kitchen and because my parents were so easy and and, uh, friendly and easy to talk to. I mean, we always had a lot of people at our house. So we we had a lot of a lot of teenagers in the in the Quinn house all the time. And then especially in college, when we were in college, we bring everyone home and we'd have beer shooting contests and my dad would chug beer with everyone and kick their butt. And yeah, it was pretty fun. I found an old newspaper clipping of your son where he was the voice of the Mustangs. Do you remember him announcing the baseball games and being loose with the facts? I'll tell you a quickie. We went to, on Sunday night, we went to a guy that he had met, just met at, at, in Rogers, Arkansas. And he used to announce Batitude softball games that his daughter Gabby played in. He and another guy announced the games. And this guy's house we were in had a daughter that, played against Gabby's team. And he said, you look like the announcer for the Batitudes. Did you announce those games? He said, Mark said, well, yes, I did. The guy said, I hated you. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this has been going you, on for a long that's, time, apparently. The- that's just so <laughs> nice that you have that clip. I How just- the hell did you get that clip? You know, Mr. Quinn, I just want to read you this little little clip. You know, it says, Mark first came to my attention when I heard him at a recent game announced that Kingwood pitcher Hutchinson had chalked up seven strikeouts in an inning. The erstwhile voice of the Mustangs is a junior at Kingwood High School and is president of his class. He loves girls, pop music, and the Kingwood Mustangs. Uh, and then he says his tricks of the trade include a tape recorder with pre-recorded baseball music, a microphone, a Dolly Parton cassette and genuine enthusiasm and spirit that he easily transmits to the crowd. Still does it today. Now, wait a minute. You, you always miss the last line because this is not the first time. It also said he announces basketball. And if the powers to be had any brains, they would let him try his hand come pig stick time. See, this writer wanted to see more Quinn in the, in the announcing book. Oh, man. <laughs> so good. I will tell you this. Seven strikeouts. His mother and I w- did not tell people who we were. <laughs> That's shameful. Uh, I still don't tell people I'm his podcast co-host either. I get it. You can all bite me. That's very hurtful. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that I just realized that I was not named Nick out of some reason. I don't know why. You can be an honorary Nick for today. How about that? Mm, that's all right. We'll, we'll call you Cinco. No, we'll call you Dose. <laughs> well, you guys are doing a good service to the to the mattress industry and, and retail in general, because you are encouraging creativity and creativity is how you compete when you have a small footprint or you know, you're know you within a community and, and you need recognition. You gotta be creative about how you do it and don't be ashamed to fail. I've done it many, many, many times. So keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We You're appreciate that. People. We appreciate that You're very inspiring much. Inspiring people to make mistakes. You know, Kinsley, before we bounce to you, I just have to say, go ahead. We are inspiring people to make mistakes. Well, here's my advice. If you have a bad idea, just get your group together and say, how can we make this worse? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's what we do for a living. 
Yeah, before we go, just a, a comment too. Like my dad has been in the industry and I was, I remember as a kid sitting in my dad's office and listening to take phone calls, business calls when he was at Montgomery Ward or sitting there closing stores down and, you know, seeing him treat people the way he did, saying goodbye to everyone and hugging them at Christmas time and uh, knowing the names of uh, the people that cleaned the store as well as the people that ran the store. And so I hope everybody has the chance to have a mentor like that. So he, uh, he's been a mentor, not just to me, uh, but in, in such an inspiration. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine where I'd be in business if I hadn't had him in my life. But so anyway, thank you for that, Pop. Thank uh, you. That's so cool. And then, hey, before we go, you have to tell the story, Kinsley. Of, <laughs> this is so good. They, they had a problem in the store, Kinsley. And uh, there was uh, too much traffic in front of the store. So you want to talk about your coaching to speaking of coaching and mentoring. So whenever I would travel with my dad, all the mattress from stores, I don't know how many times I'm like, Oh my God, your dad can be such an ass, but I love him because he's tough and he's true and he's fair. Right. So you go into a store and he'd be like, why is this here? Why is that there? And he'd like really, you know, but anyway, he, he walked into a store in this particular day and uh, the salesperson didn't have something set right. So you want to tell that story? You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. So, okay. So the story goes, he walks into the store. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Right. As soon as I, yeah, he'll remember as soon as I, so he walks into the store and my dad had, you know, Tempur-Pedic had come out and my dad was like, oh my God, this stuff is going to be really good. Um, and so he put the planogram to where all the Tempur-Pedic beds were in the front of the store. And so he walked into this particular store and he says to the kid, he's like, why the hell aren't the Tempur-Pedic beds right up here in front where I planned them to be? And so the guy says, I had to move them. And my dad says, well, why did you have to move them? And he said, well, there's too much of a crowd forming in front of my store. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, son, sit down. Let me have a talk with you right now. You remember that? Yeah, I do now. Well, you know, one thing about Tempur-Pedic, when, when they came out, uh, a lot of retailers did have them in the back of the store, which made no sense to me. You've got a four or five or $6,000 ticket. And if you look at the gross profit dollars that it generates, but the margins were less. So because the margins were less, they put them in the back of the store. That made no sense because you pay bills with dollars, not percentages. But once we put them up front, you know, I won't give the percentages, but it was astronomical. Tempur-Pedic did more for the mattress business than anybody in my lifetime. They drove prices up so fast because they had a superior quality product. That's well, it's all like, I'm like you said, say about it. It's like you said earlier, if you, you got to have something to sell to, to, right. to be a speedboat around those bigger ships and I, I think right now we're in a weird time because people are just looking for anything that can ship. But out of trying times like this, I think the suppliers have had such a mess to deal with that there's going to be real innovation that comes out of it. And it'll bubble up here in the next, you know, 18 months, two years. So hopefully, you know, something like you just said what, that happened with Tempur-Pedic will happen in new ways, new and exciting ways. That's my hope. I think the online boys are better be careful. They've had it pretty easy so far. When a supply becomes normal again, local merchants are going to start kicking their butt. That's my prediction. There you go. 
Hey, we'll add that to the predictions list for 2021. If you missed that episode, that's the last one we did. Go, you know, somebody called it our famous predictions episode. So you can go back and and you can listen to the 10 predictions. And I think there are at least three bonus predictions. And uh, I predict that you, Mr. Quinn, um, are going to come back on our show at some point soon because mm-hmm. the fans are going to want you back. <laughs> he knows a lot of people in this business. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, it's been fun and we, we appreciate you and thanks for your heart for our business. And, and, uh, Hey, without you getting your son in the business, I wouldn't be in this business and I love it. So that's my thank you to you. Good to see you, Mark. All right. You too. Let's play this music. You ready, Quinn? Let's go. All right, guys. We'll catch you here later on. Cheers. It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate, hybrid so tight, there's no way that you can.